right, welcome back to Restore Gospel Podcast. It's a special edition of Stories of the Saints, and we have a guest today from Dayton, Ohio, Monica Rogers. Uh, hi, Monica. Welcome. Hi. Monica, from time to time, we do uh, Stories of the Saints in our podcast. We probably get 30 or 35 episodes where people just share their testimony of Jesus, and that's kind of what this is today. We're not teaching, we're not discussing, you know, any topics, so... And then welcome back, Shane. We haven't been together for a bit, so it's good to have you. <laughs> good to be back. Well, let me just introduce our listeners why Monica is on here. Uh, through different discussion boards and stuff, uh, it's been almost a year or so, uh, Shane told me he was talking uh, on one of the discussion boards and, and someone was asking questions that someone was Monica. Uh, one thing all three of us share in common, I think, is that at some point in time, we realize that the scriptures don't always add up with some of the traditions and doctrines that we've been taught growing up in the church. Shane and I on the RLDS side, and so our listeners know Monica is from the LDS uh, side. Um, Monica, you were hardcore LDS, Mormon, mission, uh, temple, ordinances. Tell me a little bit of your background. Yeah. So, yeah, I grew up uh, in the church. My parents were both converts. Um always loved the church very much. I had a very strong testimony. Um, and yes, I went on a mission. Uh, I went to Lithuania. It is still one of my um, very dear memories, um, you know, mostly because of the people that I met there. They're really awesome. Um, but while I was in the MTC, I kind of had maybe my first little bit of a wake up, I guess, um, you know, things happening there. It was kind of my first introduction to what I would call like a Utah Mormon. <laughs> and so, um, <clears throat> yeah, they were, you know, just kind of fanatical. And, you know, when we talk about traditions of men, I feel like they were way overboard, I guess. <laughs> so, um, that was kind of part of my journey there. Um, and then, I came back home and I was married in the temple. Um, you know, before your mission, you get your, you go to the temple and get your endowment and all that. So yeah, that whole experience, um, you know, the temple, I think for a lot of members is kind of a mystery. Um, a lot of what goes on there. Um, you know, some people have really great experiences and some people not necessarily. So, um, but, were yeah. your parents, were your parents, uh, how many generations does your family go back in the LDS church? Um, both my parents were converts. So okay. just, just them. Yeah. Great. And then you, uh, just so our listeners know, you homeschool and you have a whole what, football team worth of family living there. How, how many kids do you have? Shane told me it was a, more than a gaggle. I don't know how, how many yeah, kids. I have six. So not super six. ten, but. <laughs> <laughs> So six children and you homeschool. Yeah. And this is, you're with us tonight after you've spent a day of doing all of that. So we appreciate it. Yes. It's a bit of a rush. <laughs> are they so, all in bed? They are. Are they all in bed Hopefully now? They stay in bed. So um, we we came to know you. I, well, I'm coming to know you right now. This is the first time, actually, I guess Shane has talked to you, too, but uh, knew of you as Shane began telling me about uh, this lady who was asking questions on the discussion boards. And, and then I think those became more detailed through email or text that you just had a lot of questions. And just we've kind of 
you know, he shared some of your responses with me and I can't believe, uh, I feel like I know you. I feel like I know your heart, or I guess I feel like we belong to the same church just based yeah. on what you've written and your heart for Jesus. Uh, and so I'm so excited to talk to you, but, uh, what, what, let's ask this. So right now there's, there's things that you've come to believe that just aren't, aren't true, right. In your faith culture compared to the word of God. Yeah. And without getting into specifics yet, um, what was your first recent memory that, hmm, something's just not right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, I'll start with, um, so how it kind of began, I guess, you know, the awakening that I had um, was I had felt the spirit working in me for a long time. So also I'm going to back up a little bit about a year, maybe two years after I was married, um, I was trying to share the book of Mormon on Facebook and um, I got introduced to a website that um, kind of convinced me that everything that I had believed was false. And I, I lost my testimony of everything uh, because I had gained it all the same way. And so um, it was the first time in my life really that I didn't, I didn't know what I believed. I didn't know anything like, is Jesus true? Like nothing. I was, I felt in complete darkness and it was really a scary time for me because um, I had never felt that before. And also because, you know, it happened so suddenly. And so, um, you know, for a long time, I, I wasn't sure, like I, I couldn't really palate uh, reading the scriptures or anything from the church because I just didn't believe it anymore. Um, but I kept going to church. Um, and that was about 11 years before this last awakening, I guess, that I had. So for 11 years, I went to church with very little testimony at all, just kind of hoping, um, you know, that something would click or or work with me uh, to get back to where I felt like I was or um, to figure things out. So, um, you know, things had kind of smoothed out over the years where I, um, I don't know, kind of <coughs> trying to have a cough. Um, Did you feel during those 11 years, uh, were you back and forth about there even being a God or a higher power or, or was there something within you still that, that felt like there's something out there, maybe just perhaps not this denomination or, or this brand of religion? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I felt honestly, like I felt like Jesus Christ was there, like reaching out to me, but I felt so like spiritually disconnected from everything. Like I just couldn't really feel the spirit or I just was lost, you know, maybe like in a wilderness type scenario or whatever, however you want to call it. Did you talk to any? Oh, go ahead, Shane. <laughs> I was going to say the mist of darkness. Yeah, Did you... Uh... Yeah. Did you mention um, these feelings to anyone, your husband or friends in the church? Did you receive any advice? Um, I did talk to my husband about it right away. Um, you know, we have a pretty open relationship. So, um, you know, it was all pretty scary for him at the time. Um, and I did mention it to a couple other members at church. Kind of, well, I had been asked to do like a, like a missionary training thing with the youth. 
and I declined because I didn't feel like I was going to be able to do that. And I explained why. And um, that particular man that I talked to was just kind of like, oh, well, too bad for you. This is not going to be a good path for you. And that was pretty much the end of it. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I I was really very hesitant to talk to anybody because it's just not really socially acceptable. Right. I felt, or I didn't want to cause problems for other people or whatever. So we'll see. Did you can, to myself. Were you... Did you continue to be involved in the word or in, in your prayer life during this time or did all of um, that just kind of. Yeah, I tried, but you know, it just, my heart just wasn't in it. Mm -hmm. So, and one thing actually, cause I was listening, I've been listening to your other podcasts, but one thing um, Gary Hawley said about God initiating all spiritual growth. Yeah. 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 So I feel like that's true because for me, like I had a desire to um, to grow my testimony, but I didn't really feel able to do it myself. So I feel like it was kind of just like a trial or a testing time or whatever. Mm. So, And maybe I missed it. What was the catalyst for this 11 years? What was the event that happened? Because it seems like with a lot of these testimonies, it does happen really quick with one, one, one thing or one thought process. And then everything just kind of, unravels or or you start to see many things at once like well yeah and then what about this well if that's not then what you know what i mean so what was that catalyst yeah it was a website that um a girl that i knew from church uh mm -hmm. she had left the church and we were talking about things online and she was the one that had sent me this website and so i had just re read stuff on there and you know the church would call it anti-mormon and I suppose sure. in some ways it is, but um, when I was reading it, I really just felt like it was an argument like for the other side and I believe what they were saying. And that was problematic. Because mm. <laughs> you, you'd probably heard anti-Mormon things before in your life, right? I mean, I grew up yeah. being you know, from my other Christian friends for, you know, being a Mormon and believing in the Book of Mormon. Uh, yeah. But it was different. Something was different this time. That was it because the arguments were more logical or laid out or just yeah. God was working with you. You think God was the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I don't know. Doing. I think it was more logical, really. Mm. But I don't know. Okay. Well, you know, one, one thing I've noticed that, that maybe seems to kind of be happening in, in all of our branches of, of the restoration is, um, you know, God, it says very clearly in the New Testament that we, we won't know we won't, it won't be revealed to us that, that Jesus is the Christ or Jesus is God um, um, unless it's done by the Holy Ghost. And so yeah. it seems like, but, but in our, but in our culture, in our church culture, we, we feel like that's revealed to us through our learning, you know? So you go through all the ordinances and you go through the classes and you go through the, all the training and do missionary work and all these things. And we we're sort of steered in the direction of this sort of mental gospel, instead of yeah. having this real relationship with our creator, mm -hmm. a one-on-one, -on -one, you know? Yeah, and so exactly. I think what, I think be, because it's set up in sort of this logical way, that same mm -hmm. logic can tear it all down right away. As soon as something comes along, like what you found, and I think yeah, that happens a exactly. lot. People just give everything up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what, um, I noticed that, sorry, in the church, um, you know, we, I think we got really, um, excited about everything that we know, you know, because of the prophet or whatever. And we feel like we're this enlightened people. 
and that we we trust in that rather than you know finding christ himself yeah well at the end of this 11 year period uh you something you said something happened or you had a second type of experience or awakening so you you were continuing on and then and then what changed yeah so i had been praying you know pretty pitifully i guess for a long time that god would please just lead me to the truth (laughs) you know my prayers were not great i'll be honest um but i would just pray you know please please lead me to the truth and um so at the same time i've I felt like the spirit was working within me um, to trust more in God. And so, you know, all of like when I was in seminary, so we have seminary in our church for the youth. Uh, we I did early morning seminary. And the teacher that I had was, she was a really good teacher, but she would always joke about how you should be really careful what you pray for. You know, don't pray for trials, don't pray for patience or anything like that, because, you know, you'll get it right. You'll get something really hard that'll teach you patience or whatever. And it was kind of a joke, but um, I kind of took it seriously. (laughs) And so I would, you know, I would be careful about what I prayed for. And then I felt the spirit, you know, working on me, just kind of nudging and asking me, you know, Uh, are there things that you're withholding? You know, what is it that you're really willing to get of to know the truth? Um, What are, you know, and I I recognize it now, like, what are you willing to lay on the altar? And, um, you know, I came to the point where I was willing to pray the prayer of, I'm willing to give everything. And I don't care what trial you give me. I don't care uh, what goes wrong in my life. Uh, I want you, I want you, and I want the truth more than anything. And it was when I came to that point when everything else just started flooding into my life. Mm. So it was just uh, an interchange. So, or yeah. like, like you said, Gary said, God was initiating this at the right time in your life, but you responded I mean, that that deal of laying everything down, I mean, that's the key, I think, in how much we receive is how much are we willing to give up, right? Like, to, yeah. I'll give up all of my sins to know this God, mm-hmm. like the Book of Mormon says. Um, all right, so it was at this time, was this um, about the time that you started talking with Shane, or was this prior to that, uh, or when, um, when? It was a little bit before that. Mm-hmm. So you be, um, you became acquainted with some tapes, I, I think, that Dick Bauman uh, that you watched that Shane had put up on YouTube. Was that correct? Yeah. Did you mm-hmm. watch those series? Did what was what was that in? Um, how did that affect you, if at all? Yeah, I watched. I watched probably the first half of those. I didn't finish them. Mm-hmm. But that was definitely a huge uh, catalyst in navigating where I am now. I guess. Um, but you, you asked me, uh, what was the first thing that I found out that was false? Mm -hmm. So it was, it was probably, I don't know if it was that same day or the next day after I had that prayer, that interchange, I guess, that I was just talking about where, um, a close friend of mine, she sent me, um, two quotes, one from Joseph Smith and one from Emma 
about how they, they never practiced polygamy. I think it was the quote from Joseph was May 26, 1844. So it was just a few weeks before he was killed and basically gave a very strong testimony that he had nothing to do with it. And Emma also saying that she didn't. So that was really like the big thing that opened the door mm-hmm. to uh, me really starting to search. Um, because, you know, I had been taught all my life that he was a polygamist, that all this came from him. And I had a really big problem with that all of my life. The whole issue of polygamy. And I know that's not a problem for you guys. I never was. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's a problem, but it's not one we ever believed. <laughs> right. So, you know, in our church, um, you know, we don't practice polygamy per se, but um, men in the church can still be sealed to more than one woman in the temple. Like if their wife dies, they can be sealed to another woman in the temple, which, you know, is supposed to be marriage for time and all eternity. Right. But it's not the same for women. So. Um, in that sense, you know, it still feels like we believe in polygamy, you know, the section in the doctrine and covenants, huh? Well, when you go into the internal realm, then there is still polygamy happening, right? If there was more than one earthly wife, right? Yeah. Well, and it is taught, you know, not really outright, you know, it's kind of something you learn through tradition along the way, you know, it's not anything the missionaries talk to people about. But, you know, that polygamy is going to be practiced in heaven, that that's like one of God's things. So Mm -hmm. this was always a big problem for me because I wasn't okay with that. (laughs) Right. I wasn't okay with God thinking that that was going to be okay for me. (laughs) Or, you know, just thinking that God might ask that of me. I had a problem with it. Or that I might die and my husband might marry someone else and I'd be stuck. Mm-hmm. This was a big problem for me. I carried this burden a long time because I thought it was true that this was something God might make me do someday or I wouldn't be able to live with him. So there's different pathways I've seen when people on the LDS side realize or begin to believe, well, Joseph wasn't practicing polygamy. Um Sometimes that seems to strengthen their faith in the church. They they fall in love with it all over again because that was the one thing, you know, that was kind of mm-hmm. keeping them back or couldn't stomach. And then uh, I think another thing I've seen happen is once Joseph's free of that uh, burden or that stigma, um, yeah. they take off in a whole other level of idolatry of Joseph Smith. Now he's the man that yeah. did no wrong and there's no black eye and, Mm-hmm. And then it's all Joseph Smith worship, which leads us down a lot of different paths and wrong beliefs. But yeah. for you, what was this? What was this like when you saw that, or what did that mean to you? If you thought perhaps he he didn't practice that, was it just like, well, now it's not a doctrine, maybe that you have to worry about? Yeah, I felt like my soul was freed, my heart and soul were freed mm. from that that evil doctrine. <laughs> right, and it, it was it was a huge burden on me all my life. So that was a huge, that was something I was very happy to lay down. And, you know, I studied it very intently because I needed to know for sure, you know, that this was something that was not, you know, from God. 
and but once I realized that wasn't from God and that the church was, I, you know, can only assume is intentionally covering up because the information is there. And there's a lot of information, I think, that's even being withheld from people that the church has locked up. So I can't say exactly what that is. Um, but I know that the church intentionally filters what they give out to people. <laughs> right. Yeah, the only the only way that you can say that they that it, you know that it's true is to say that Joseph lied. I mean the his, the times yeah. where he said the times where he denied it were public, and you know so the yeah. only way to only way to counteract that is to say he was being deceptive and secretly he was doing it. You know. Yeah, I mean it's published in the newspaper and it's all over the place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's well, really a, not any hard evidence against him, from what I could tell. Yeah, I can empathize with having having never believed that doctrine. Only to I really feel for the women in the LDS Church that once you realize this isn't of God, like you know, what a barrier to come down between you and God to like love Him all the more. Yeah. Like you, you're not mm-hmm. asking this of us, you know. You <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was preventing me from having a relationship with him, I think, mm-hmm. because I just was so appalled by it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So once you realize, well, the church is promoting something that's really not from Joseph Smith, uh, you know, you're able to believe that, you know, that information because some people just deny it. What, what, what then? What was next? So after that... Um, I got introduced through that um, research. I got introduced to the Doctrine of Christ group. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I really binged on almost all their videos. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed a lot of the stuff that they taught. Um, I gained a lot of information about that. But like you said, um, a lot of them kind of, I think, veer off in an opposite direction. That's not good either. That was one of my first conversations with Shane when he told me he met you and I was hearing some of your questions. I'm like, Oh, cause I was really, I mean, I, I loved finding this doctrine of Christ people being a RLDS member, seeing them uh, come away from some of the, the Mormon beliefs. And at first, and I, and there was some real good teaching on there, but the longer I was there, I started seeing other almost worse type of beliefs being set up and you know the dark i don't yeah. know if you know all the, the darkness that happened on that channel and some of the things and a lot of them left but i kept telling shane i hope i hope that there's not this void that you know now other wrong teachings are that you're subjected to you specifically but you yeah. seem to maintain like i mean it just felt like the like it seems like the spirit's just been in charge of you and not getting you caught up in those other false traditions or beliefs yeah yeah, it's been kind of, you know, I've kind of, you know, I I was I was really into them for a while. And so I did kind of believe some of those temporarily for a pretty short time. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I think it was the Dick Bauman tapes that I started watching that kind of veered me back the other way. Um. And then, yeah, and then I started really studying the Book of Mormon. Yeah, that's what caught my eye. It was a really kind of a miracle. I was on Facebook and somebody put a link to this website. And then I went back and I couldn't find the guy taking it down. But it was Mm -hmm. just long enough for me to catch this 
this front page where Dick Bauman made just a real like a paragraph or two. And what I saw was the Book of Mormon is the standard. And that's where my friend and I, Corey, had taken so much heat in the church because uh-huh. they didn't like that book being elevated above the Doctrine and Covenants. And we kept oh. saying it, but it says it's the standard and it has to be our standard of truth. Mm-hmm. And when I saw somebody had said that 40 years earlier and said there's a day of choosing those that will believe the gospel in the Book of Mormon and those that won't. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was on to that and it really was quite a miracle. We were able to find those and Shane could get them up. I don't believe everything there like most things, but it's good information. And so you went to the Book of Mormon and started yeah. reading it. Yeah, I mean, I've always really loved the Book of Mormon. I mean, I went, my period of wilderness, darkness that I had, I I shunned the Book of Mormon also. But um, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, I read the Book of Mormon pretty young when I was about 14, I think, and gained a testimony of it at that time. I mean, it's it's a totally different book, obviously, than A Dark Green Covenants. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that I've always... I don't know that I've always wondered it, but I've been wondering, at least lately, you know, if God, you know, when you you learn the Book of Mormon story, um, you know, the amount of effort and time that it took to make all those plates to record that record, you know, Moroni running from the Lamanites to preserve this, you know, lots of lots of things went into the making of that book and then having it buried and preserved in the ground to be translated and brought forth during our day. And then, you know, and a record of the house of Israel, right? The seat of Joseph. And then to think that directly after that, God is going to ask the Gentiles to reveal like all these greater, higher truths mm-hmm. that aren't found in the Book of Mormon. I think you said Gentiles, didn't you? It cut out for a minute. Did you say the Gentiles? Yeah, to Gentiles. Read? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. And that just doesn't make sense. Like, why would God preserve this book and its purity for us in our day? Just so that we could change a bunch of things and add things and ignore things from it. <laughs> right. So as you um, are praying and reading the scriptures, what's going what's going on on the on, on the inside with you? Are you are you feeling a change in your spirit? Are you feeling uh, a deeper sadness for the LDS Church? What you know? What's what's going on? What's your thoughts? Um, yeah, I don't know. I spent a lot of time reading the Book of Mormon. Um, I spent probably between two to four hours per day. And usually I'd only get through one or two chapters in that mm. time. Um, I would read it um, and I would write down like everything that stood out to me, which was everything pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but just all of my questions, um, trying to figure out, you know, what does the Book of Mormon say? Kind of like Dick Bauman presented. Um, So I wanted to know, you know, I had realized a long time ago, um, you know, I had searched the Book of Mormon before to see, you know, you know, as a missionary and stuff, trying to share the book, you know, is there any specific Mormon doctrine in this book? Like, should be people be afraid to read this book for any reason? Is there anything that they would disagree with about this book? And I knew the answer was no from a long time ago, like 
there's nothing in there that's, mm-hmm. you know, specific to my church. <laughs> so why wouldn't people accept it? Right. But then it didn't click in my head like, oh, that maybe there's something wrong with that. Um, so anyway, yeah, just going through and trying to figure out what all, all these things are. Um, and one thing I really liked that the doctrine of Christ, uh, somebody from there recommended was to let the scriptures define your words. So instead Mm -hmm. of going, you know, I basically just erased, I was like, I'm erasing it all. I'm just going to forget I ever knew anything. And I'm just going to read this book new and I'm going to let it define everything for me. I'm going to let it tell me what is the priesthood? What is all this stuff? And so I would write all those things down along with, I looked up quite a few words in the 1828 dictionary, you know, words that you would think that, you know, Mm -hmm. I looked up because I wanted to make sure I understood exactly what it was saying. Yeah. I think that's, I, I think that's probably one of our biggest challenges is that so many things have been redefined. You know, yeah. what, what mm-hmm. is priesthood? What is authority? Mm-hmm. What is love? What are these keys? You know, I mean, there's all these things that we you use in our vernacular that's just like a common thing tied to our religion. But it's, you know, if you really read the, what the scriptures say, it's not anything to do with what we, the way we use it. Yeah. You know, it's just tradition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my, my research, I, from the Book of Mormon, just what I learned from the pages, um, what I got from it was that priesthood is actually, it's just a calling to the ministry. Like a mother, uh, when she is, you know, acting as a mother is in motherhood, uh, a priest when acting as a priest is in priesthood mm-hmm. and that all authority comes from the Holy ghost. Amen. <laughs> we picked yeah. up on that. Nephi says, I, I, I say these things by the authority of the Holy ghost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. This is so. I, I just want our, our listeners to key in on this because this is, I think, the exact point that stumbles causes people to stumble mm-hmm. when they're awaking and searching, and that allows people to be completely free. You said, "I'm going to allow the Book of Mormon to define," and it was preserved for this day for a purpose for the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. And then they 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 will do with it what they will, and then it'll return to the house of Israel. They'll accept it. But you said, I'm going to let the Book of Mormon define priesthood and, you know, mm-hmm. salvation, those things. That yeah. is a key. And if the Lord, you know, chooses to entice you to do that, it, will people respond to that? And that's mm-hmm. a really hard thing. Really hard. Yeah. Because Shane and I are still peeling back layers. We'll, we'll say something in conversation. We're like, wait a minute. I don't, I don't even know if that's in the book of Mormon or if that's another scripture or something I've been taught, you know, and yeah. it happens still like mm-hmm. almost weekly or, or, you know, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I think that we all kind of struggle with um, both denominations is, and any, all the restoration denominations is tying everything to Joseph Smith. You know, we hold Joseph Smith on such a high pedestal. And that was one of the things that really made the, the, the things, you know, you, you know, I've been talking since last August and it seems like the thing that really stands out is that, you know, you're not, you're not holding anybody on a pedestal, you know, other than Christ, of course, but, you know, and I think that's, it's really refreshing and it's rare to find in that we're willing to say he was just a man. He made mistakes. 
There was doctrines he introduced that are not found in the scriptures, you know, that are not found in the Bible in Book of Mormon, you know, and that doesn't make him the Antichrist, you know, and, and right. I mean, it's like we, we feel like it has to be one way or the other. Either we totally reject everything that he brought mm-hmm. forth or we totally embrace every word that ever came out of his mouth. And I just right. think that's that's just not good thinking, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, I really feel like Joseph Smith, you know, his first vision so I was studying the original um, account of that from the Joseph Smith papers. And um, he talks about a pillar of fire coming down um, and being filled with the Holy Ghost after. And I realized that he was, he was having a baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost. And that that's what his first vision was. Just, you know, and it's, it's the same that we all can have, you know, um, as a part of the doctrine of Christ. Um, and while, you know, I, I don't want to say it's insignificant. I mean, it is, you know, I think he was called to do a work, obviously to bring forth the book of Mormon. Um, but you know, not necessarily a a calling as a prophet. I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. One prophet over the church is definitely a new, a new thing when there's only one that receives voice for the people is kind of scary. But, um, well, I wanted to ask you about something. So as you're, you're praying and you're reading the book of Mormon and you're allowing that to define, you know, your Jesus and his church and Mm -hmm. what it means to worship him. Uh, Shane had told me there became a, a point when, um, you were thinking about removing your garments and going outside would you yeah. be willing to share to share that experience? Because I really that really touched me. I, I, yeah. I go ahead, Mike. You you probably ought to clarify that we're talking about the temple garments, oh. <laughs> not, not all your garments. <laughs> I think our audience knows. Yeah, okay. Uh, temple garments, right, right. Uh, no, Jesus yeah. didn't call you to go streaking down the neighborhood. But yeah, the temple garments. Yeah. So, um, you know, I just had a lot of questions. Um, and I was, you know, have a lot of questions about the temple. And so I, what I did just, I tried it out. And one thing I had felt, you know, a voice in my head, um, telling me to, um, awake and arise daughter of Zion to put on your beautiful garments, um, and to prepare yourself. I don't remember exactly but that was kind of the idea. And I was just pondering on those things. Um, you know, what, what garments do I need to put on? And, um, you know, and I, like I said, I had, you know, just a lot of questions about all of that stuff. So, um, I just decided to try it out. Um, you know, and I was in my house, you know, I had taken my garments off and, um, you know, I, all I could think was that I felt naked and ashamed. <laughs> and it kind of reminded me of Adam and Eve. Mm. And and then I just had this feeling that I needed to, to go outside. And so I did. And we had, there's a cul-de-sac in front of my house. And I was just walking there and just praying in my heart um, that God would um, show me. I, I prayed that God would show me. I said, how do you clothe your creation? And I remember looking up in the sky 
and I saw a bird flying overhead. And the scripture came to my mind, um, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. Um, you know, he, he feeds the birds in the sky. Um, and that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Mm. And um, I just, um, you know, I, I think that's when I gained the understanding that the, the garments, you know, that he would clothe me with uh, were the garments of the Holy Spirit. That's kind of the understanding that I came to through that experience. And also, you know, the more I pondered on that and read, because I, I looked up the scripture, you know, shortly after and was pondering on that, you know, we often refer to the temple as like Solomon's temple. And so for me, it was a message of, you know, that God will clothe us better even than Solomon or, you know, a temple clothing. Yeah. Can you explain so, to the, oh, go ahead. I was going to, and we may be saying it right to say the same thing. But, you know, we grew up in the RLDS, you know, faith. And, and so we don't mm-hmm. have the temple garments and all that. And so, and a lot of our listeners are, are RLDS or XRLDS. Can okay. you um, kind of just sort of lay out in general what, what exactly is entailed in that and what the covenant that you've made was and kind of how mm-hmm. the implications of it? Yeah, and where the, where the apprehension comes from so we can understand what, what, what it was meaning to you or what perhaps mm-hmm. you were giving up. Yeah, so the garment... Um, you receive as a part of the temple ceremony. So um, there's a ceremony called the initiatory where you go in and you, uh, you're awashed and cleansed from the blood and sins of this generation. Um, And it's, you know, everything is very sacred and, you know, it's, it's, it's I mean, you, you do it once in your life, you know, for yourself, it's, would be similar, you know, to a baptism or whatever. Um, and during the initiatory is when you receive uh, the garment. And then uh, you go through and you receive your endowment after that. But it symbolizes uh, the garment that God gave Adam and Eve when they left the Garden of Eden. And he made the coats of skins for them. Mm-hmm. And it is... Um, said that it will be a shield and a protection to you throughout your life as long as you keep the covenants that you make in the temple and so um you know it's a special thing it really is um and i think there is a lot of really good symbolism in it you know i think it can be a good reminder um and i really actually love the garments (laughs) I do. Um, But I think it's also important to understand, you know, what they symbolize. So what are the rules surrounding it? Like you, you were having trouble taking it off. Are you not able to take it off even at home or what's the, what were the rules around it? Yeah. You're supposed to wear it day and night all the time. I mean, you know, you can take it off, you know, if you need to take it off to shower or, you know, anything you would need to Mm -hmm. take it off for you take it off. But, Otherwise, you sleep in it and everything. I mean, you sleep in it really interesting. So, this, um, 
I guess, culturally, is, is there a feeling that somehow, you know, that these garments are protecting me, you know, that God's using them to protect me um, and that giving them up, perhaps you're losing some of that protection or it's an offense to him or. Yeah, I think it would be a symbol of breaking the covenant. Okay. So. Okay. So after you had that experience, you felt okay, no longer wearing them. Is that correct? Yeah, well, I'll be honest. I tried not wearing them for weeks, and I ended up putting them back on. <laughs> gotcha. I, I don't know if it's just familiarity or what, but they, they are comforting to me, and so I I have continued to wear them. Um, but I still feel like that experience was very um, important for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it certainly shifted your mind to the the spiritual aspect of of God, mm-hmm. you know, providing versus just you know wearing clothing that you know is it's just a physical thing. It's you. I think it you elevated to a spiritual understanding of of what God mm-hmm. expects and the relationship yeah. with Him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, so so what else uh, was is changing? What what other things were you learning reading through the Book of Mormon that um, maybe began unraveling other beliefs or in the church? Or what other things did you see maybe that were incorrect? Yeah. So uh, one of the things, uh, one probably the biggest thing I think is uh, the nature of God. Um, you know, I think the Book of Mormon clearly teaches that God. Um, the father is Jesus Christ in the flesh. So, I mean, they, I believe that they are not like the, I feel like the father is more, I guess, than just Jesus Christ. It's kind of a complex doctrine. Yeah. You know? I mean, I don't, I haven't seen him myself and I don't know much, but. <laughs> well, you wrote a real beautiful, Shane did share with me your understanding of the nature of God was one, one text mm-hmm. he shared with me. So what do you think? It, okay. I was, I was absolutely amazed because I don't know that I've ever heard anybody describe it that clearly and plainly. I wish I had a copy of that. I could, I could even read it because it was, it was amazing, but you came and this is just crazy to me because of the teachings of the LDS church that only the Holy spirit could lead you to this understanding. You're coming away from such a different understanding yeah. of the nature but you, yeah, you said, was, go, go ahead. No. Um, well, Dick Bauman was the one that introduced me to the idea when I was listening to his, his tapes. And so I thought, you know, that I needed to ponder on it. And so, you know, and through my Book of Mormon study, I found that it to be consistent. And I think also, Mike, I think you commented on one of my comments on Facebook, uh, encouraging me. When I was talking to people on there about God being one, and I think you had a comment on there. But anyway, um, yeah, I was I was just pondering on it, and for me personally, um, I've always struggled, I guess, with my relationship with God the Father. Um, and I've talked to other people about you know what I believe now, and they don't feel the same, and they don't agree. Um, but for me, I always felt very distant from him. Uh, like he was far away. Um, you know, that was just 
this God of justice up on his throne that needed to be appeased. And, you know, that Christ had to go plead with him to hear me or accept me or whatever. And that there was this great divide between me and God. And, you know, I just never felt worthy to really talk to him. You know, we're taught to pray to God, the father and in the name of Jesus Christ. But for me, there was just this big separation. Um, and so once I started to kind of let this other idea sink into my mind and my heart, um, I don't know. It opened up these portals of love and understanding and closeness to God that I never had before. Um, I didn't feel afraid to ask him for forgiveness because he was the one who atoned for my sins. And um, mm. I didn't feel, you know, far away from him or like I didn't know him because I did know him because he came down as Christ and showed me who he is. And um, I started to understand the depth of his love on a much deeper level than ever before. Mm. Do you, uh, you said something, I wanted to make sure people heard it, that you didn't just go in your room and say, God, show me, you know, show me things. You were putting in, you said a couple, two, four hours a day reading the word yeah. and really pouring yourself in and seeking. And, um, and you said maybe you'd only get a couple of chapters. So from that, I take that you're meditating and pondering on what you're reading. You're not just trying to, to get through the yeah. book. And that's, I mean, that, isn't that an important thing? Uh, I mean, you got to put the effort in. God wants to see that, you know, that you're serious. Mm -hmm. Well, and also I think, you know, the Book of Mormon, I feel like taught me how to pray better. Mm. Um, one thing that I really picked up from the Book of Mormon was the importance of humbling yourself to the dust and crying out in mighty prayer with all your heart and soul, maybe even all night if necessary. Not that I've done that actually, mm -hmm. but um, um, yeah, it just, I mean, the whole awakening really, really just set me on fire. I think one of the big catalysts was early on uh, was learning from the doctrine of Christ um, what the new and everlasting covenant was. So in the LDS church, we believe it is, it's written in the DNC that it's the new and ever, everlasting covenant of marriage. And that's what most people believe is that when they, you know, they receive that top ordinance of celestial marriage, you know, getting married in the temple, that that's the new and everlasting covenant. And it's so, that is one of the most shocking, bizarre, sad things I think is that people in the church, I mean, maybe some people do, maybe, you know, but I think, for the most part, most people think that's what the new and everlasting covenant is. And they're really, really missing out <laughs> on learning what that is. So and that, I, we don't have, I wanted to clarify, we, <clears throat> we don't have that in the RLDS uh, doctrine and covenants. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But we were raised that, you know, if you ask anybody in the rest or the RLDS side, what is the everlasting covenant? They would probably say, 
uh, Enoch, when men keep all my commandments, Zion will come on the earth again. And that's what I yeah. grew up believing. And that's, mm -hmm. it's not really it either, or, you know, so. Right. Yeah. My understanding of it right now is basically, you know, it's, it's, you know, being baptized and being born again uh, of the covenant, you know, putting your heart, broken heart and a contrite spirit on the altar and being renewed by Christ. I mean, that's been the message from the beginning. That is the Amen. new and everlasting covenant. So similar. Yeah. yeah the, well, so for me, I here recently, I've done a lot of study on temples and different things. And, you know, if you look at the old, you look at the old Testament, the old covenant was God invited them up on the mountain. You know, the people of Moses invited them up on yeah. the mountain mm -hmm. with him to make that covenant and he would be their God and they would be his people. And, yeah. um, and all they had to do was, you know, keep the law. And so the new covenant, the Jeremiah, Jeremiah, I think it's 31 prophesies of, of that new covenant. And that new covenant is, is Christ. Now the law is in our hearts. Now it's now God is in our hearts. And I, I never really understood that until I studied, until I studied the topic and studied the Book of Mormon more deeply yeah. and kind of mm -hmm. ignoring the, the doctrinal tradition stuff and just focusing on what the Bible and Book of Mormon say about it. It really, it really is clear. And it's, it's so simple. It's almost, it almost seems too simple, you know? That basically yeah. all we have to do is repent and seek mm -hmm. him just like you've been doing, you know, and he comes into us, you know, into our hearts and our, and guides our life and enhances our life. And then we'll get mm -hmm. to be with him in eternity because he paid the price. And that's, that's just such a beautiful, simple mm -hmm. message yeah. that it's, it's hard to believe some of these, some of these scriptures that are right there in clear, plain view, like in the Book of Mormon, the number of times that it says that God himself will come down among the children of men and he will yeah. take upon him flesh, you know, and it says mm -hmm. that, I mean, I'm, re I'm recording right now in Mosiah on, on my channel and, you know, and it's like, it's just so obvious and it's just said over and over and over, but yet we never heard it because of our traditions told us something yeah. else, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And there's another scripture in the Book of Mormon that, well, there's a lot of them that, you know, talk about that. Um, you know, one where it says he is the very eternal father it says mm -hmm. that. Yep. Yep. And then there's another one that's kind of, it's like a rephrasing of um, the one where it says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I think I'll have to look that up. There's one though, <laughs> where it's rephrased where um, it's just, it's said from first person. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll have to look that up though. Yeah. I think it might be an ether, but besides the, um, nature of God, uh, any, any other things that you want to share that you began to understand that, that weren't, you yeah, know, there's a lot really. <laughs> this your time. <laughs> anything you want to, anything you want to share? Um, so yeah, another thing that I noticed was prophets. So just like Moses, you know, in the Old Testament says, uh, I would to God that all the Lord's people would be prophets. So, um, you know, not only do you not find the one prophet leader, I mean, you could argue for that in some places, I guess. But like, for instance, when the Savior comes, you have Sam of Lamanite and Nephi at the same time that are both main characters, right? Mm -hmm. And they're living simultaneously and they're clearly both prophets. Um, and John the Baptist. <laughs> Yeah. They were all alive at the same time. We we often separate yeah, them, but they were all, point. you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um and um 
but no, like, you know, throughout the Old Testament portion of the Book of Mormon and after, you know, you hear about when the people are righteous, that there are many prophets among them. It's plural. And, you know, the people are prophesying and all kinds of stuff. So um, that that is the message that I got from the Book of Mormon about prophets. Yeah, so, aside from the, the chosen seer that is prophesied. Right. Um, that's a special one, I think. But as these things are happening and you're you're continuing to go to your L LDS branch on Sundays or worship, continue to worship with the people um, as you're having these internal changes and revelations from the Holy Spirit. How is your what's your feeling like as you're sitting in the congregation? Um, curious about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean. Do you start to hear things that are now, you know, maybe more offensive traditions that are taught, you know, or do they, you know, kind of, oh, uh, you know, I, I don't want to hear this anymore. I've, I've The Lord show me that this isn't, you know, this is, there's something better or. Mm -hmm. um, for me, I usually, um, I, I feel more sorry, I guess, for my, mm. the people um, that I feel like it's being hidden from them. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, cause I was wondering for a while, you know, what should I do with this information? You know, does God want me to leave? Do it. But I mean, where, where am I supposed to go? Right. Because there's not really a group around that isn't the church that accepts the book of Mormon. <laughs> right. So, I mean, there's really not anywhere for me to go anyway. And I'm not sure that God wants me to go anywhere else either, because um, the other thing that I feel like I've learned is that his church, as we you can read in Doctrine and Covenants 10, are those who repent and believe on his name and are baptized and come unto him. And, you know, I've always lived, you know, amongst, you know, most of my friends are just regular Christians or whatever, non-denominational. And they're awesome. They teach me so much about Christ and their love for him is wonderful. And, you know, they're, they've always been examples to me all my life. You know, I've always actually struggled most of my life to try to be an example to my friends. Cause I feel like they're always, you know, doing it better than me. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so um, I'm grateful for that. And I really, you know, I see the heart of true believers everywhere you know, whether it's the Catholic church or some Christian church somewhere or, you know, wherever people are, you know, God loves all of his children. The Book of Mormon tells us that he speaks to all of his children, every kindred, tongue and nation, and that they're all going to have his word. And, I, you know, God judges us on our heart and what we've been given. And so, you know, we aren't supposed to be judging each other. <laughs> And just loving each other and realizing that, you know, I think God has a plan to save, you know, as many people as, as are willing, you know. Right. I had an interesting, on New Year's Eve this year, uh, a couple uh, that we met through the podcast, uh, they were in town. They don't live here in Independence, but uh, they had learned that they're kind of like on the same path as you. And they actually left the Mormon church and began worshiping in a Christian church. And mm -hmm. the wife said, I just, I missed hearing the Book of Mormon be read. And 
and the Lord really worked with them that mm-hmm. they went back and to their local ward and she was kind of uh, up front with her bishop, but mm-hmm. she's like, I want to worship here. These are my family. And the Lord yeah. showed her that y- your work is here with mm-hmm. these people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, there was intended to be, you know, a people that followed the Book of Mormon. <laughs> Um, you know, unfortunately, I think they got off track and, you know, we split into these different groups. Um, but I don't, I don't feel the need to abandon my people. I feel like my greatest work can be done among them and to try to gently and lovingly bring them the truth just a little at a time. What about salvation and eternity? Because you're uh, teaching on the LDS side and ours, uh, too, to extent, I think, is incorrect, at least how I feel it. So I don't understand it all, but I know that your idea that there's levels in heaven and and Mm -hmm. it's rooted or, or, you know, what you do in the temple is connected to that a lot. How has your understanding of your salvation uh, and eternity changed? Well, the Book of Mormon, I don't, well, I don't know. I watched Corey's classes on that. (laughs) Corey Stark, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's neat. Yeah, he's. I really liked what he said. And, you know, I still have a lot of pondering to do there because, you know, well, Dick Bauman said that the Book of Mormon only said there was heaven or hell. And, you know, that's that's what um, Corey was saying also, you know, justice or mercy is what you can choose. And, and I believe that. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. It just, the other thing was kind of weird, you know, with, because that the, the three degrees of glory, you know, that separates God Mm -hmm. into, you know, not one person. Exactly. They're, They're very intimately connected that was that was the beginning of my journey uh, decades ago it was just that little seed that was planted when i said i cannot navigate section 76 with the book of mormon and Mm -hmm. he's in salvation the idea that i could be saved and in eternity but not with jesus is not Mm -hmm. heaven to me (laughs) it seems like the whole story is about god bringing us home to him yeah and he either saves us Mm -hmm. by his blood or we don't you know there's no partial ugliness still in heaven it's yeah i was curious on that Um, yeah i feel like the book of mormon is very clear about the consequences of not turning to god you know i feel like the book of mormon is is pretty harsh you know in that regard just to awaken people you know to motivate them right and i feel like that's often you know not paid attention to, I think, as much as we need to, how how urgent and important it is, you know, to, you know, get people where they need to be. Well, I think the flip side of that, too, is is it's pretty clear about how powerful that atoning blood is. Yeah. You know, to say that it's only, you know, it only atoned me enough to reach celestial glory is, <laughs> you know, it either it either atoned for your sins or it didn't, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, people have accused that way of thinking as, well, you're making it too easy. And I think it's actually, you know, if I know there's a place in heaven that I'll be happy and comfortable that God's prepared for me, but it's 
doesn't require me to give up everything so that I can be with, with Jesus, then I'm probably going to do the least amount. I mean, I'm going to be comfortable and happy. But the Book of Mormon is, you know, you're either all in, like you said, a sacrifice, mm-hmm. broken heart, contrite spirit, and his blood mm-hmm. cleanses you, or or eventually you, you know, you're going to end up not wanting any of it, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so one thing, you know, I feel like that's been a tradition or an understanding of mine, at least, um, you know, is there's there's all this emphasis placed on on works, you know, and even a lot of like the general conference talks that we have, you know, it's just try to do a little better each day, do a little mm-hmm. better each day. It's like, you know, just push, 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 just try harder, try harder, <laughs> you know, to, mm-hmm. to be good enough, basically. And <clears throat> that's not the message of salvation, um, you know. Like I mentioned before, it's about humbling yourself because you're never, ever going to be good enough and calling upon God and, you know, being willing. Right. So one of the things from the Sermon on the Mount at the end, he says, you know, be therefore perfect. Right. And everybody's always trying to figure out what that means. And I I think at at least at this point that what that means is that you need to have a perfect heart before him or be perfectly willing or perfectly humble to, you know, to make your heart right before him and to understand that he's going to be the one to save you. Um, And then after that, you, you show your, your faith and your thankfulness by your good works, but those are not the things that save you. And not that the church believes that your works are going to save you, but it's it's like this, I don't know, this confusing doctrine. It's a sleight of hand. Yeah. No, you're exactly right. But one of the Hebrew meanings for that perfection is not necessarily without um, any spot or blemish, but we've kind of made that word perfect in our language, but it was the idea of complete mm-hmm. and that you're complete by the sacrifice of Christ and your willingness yeah. to to give your heart to him, be mm-hmm. complete in Christ. Yeah, that makes a sense. A little different shift. <clears throat> yeah. What would you, uh, what does anyone else, well, besides your husband, mm-hmm. does anyone else know of your thinking of your, I don't know, awakening, I guess is a, the term, friend, friends or family? Yeah, I've had some discussions with my mother and my mother-in-law. And um, uh, my, I have a good friend. She was my mission companion. Mm-hmm. We, we talk a lot. I, we've talk, been talking about things. And I, she's actually been waking up to a lot of the things, too. And she's starting to study the Book of Mormon also. So. That's good. How did the conversations go with, uh, well, so that your mom's a convert, you said. Mm-hmm. Your mom. How are those conversations going um she's always willing to listen but she's she's very devoted to the church and she's kind of afraid to step out of that i think so she's a little bit closed off Mm -hmm. um my mother-in-law however i think is more open to listening um and well i don't know she has some native american blood in her so Mm -hmm. (laughs) I, I don't know. I see her differently. Right. But, um, yeah, she's very open to listening. 
and she's had a lot of problems herself with a lot of things at church. So, One thing Shannon and I talk about where our heart is at is I I listened to Mormon stories by John DeLynn uh, early on and listened to a lot of the stories of people leaving the LDS church. Mm -hmm. And, and even in our, in our group community right now, we have people questioning and I, I can't stand the thought of them throwing out the wonderful gospel in the book of Mormon along with everything else, because they can't find answers Mm -hmm. to some of these other things because it's like either Joseph Smith's everything or he's, or he's nothing. And Mm -hmm. it's like, no. And so I wonder, that's a hard thing. I don't know. I think we're all, all three of us here are going to continue to walk down that path where we see, have you seen, have you had friends and family members leave the church and leave everything, Book of Mormon included, or? Um, I mean, I have a lot of family members that just aren't really active. So mm-hmm. my family's a blended family. So, you know, my parents were both divorced and then got married and had me and my little sister. So, um, you know, there was a lot of drama with that and, you know. Well, certainly you see it in the Facebook community and, you know, on the YouTube channels and stuff, you know, many people leaving the church, but also leaving, you know, either becoming atheists or or giving up the Book of Mormon and just. um... Yeah, I did have a brother-in-law that that left everything, I think. I don't I don't know. I tried to talk to him about it actually not too long ago and he he didn't want to talk about it. Well, that's where I find your testimony is very valuable Mm -hmm. because you you have this testimony of finding Jesus, you know, in the words of the gospel of the book, not, you know, it's not the book, it's the, the gospel contained. In, and as you're praying and reading it, mm-hmm. um, it's drawing you into him. Mm-hmm. And that's an important testimony on, on both sides of the aisle. We have to realize that this book has the power to uh, bring us in a deeper relationship with Christ. If we follow the words and the message in there. Mm-hmm. And so your testimony is so, so important that, people can question traditions of men and still mm-hmm. find a foundation, a great foundation, the real foundation in Jesus. Yeah. And that the book of Mormon is a tool mm-hmm. that can do that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, think the real, go oh, ahead. I was going to say, I think the, I think the real kind of aha moment for, for me and probably for all of us is that realizing that there is a difference between a relationship with God, with Christ and the church. You know, I think many of us think that having a relationship, you know, with the church sort of, you know, we're sort of intermingled in the the culture of the church, that that is somehow Mm -hmm. a relationship with Christ. And I think that's kind of, that's really the aha moment that I've, that I've felt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you have any advice, Monica, for um, any brothers and sisters in the church that might be hearing this that are questioning or thinking about giving it all away or Mm -hmm. um, what would you say to your, to them? Um, I think the most important thing is to stay humble, to not get angry mm-hmm. about, um, you know, things that maybe, you know, are, are not true or that have been kept from you intentionally or whatever, you know, whatever causes people to get angry and resentful, um, that's not going to lead you to a good place. And so you really need to stay humble and follow you know, the spirit and God and where he's going to lead you and to just allow your heart to be truly open, um, to not be 
totally married to any certain ideas that you have, but to really open your heart and to listen. You're, um, how are things, uh, is your husband on this journey with you? Is he hearing, are you, do you guys share much or, um, is it something that's just kind of kept off the table or? Well, my husband is in a really intense grad school program right now. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's either, you know, working or studying or out of town most of the time and he's on total overload. <laughs> gotcha. So we do talk about it, you know, and he's, he's becoming more open and kind of adjusting to the idea, I think. But he doesn't have a lot of time to really study. And um, he he learns and decides things a lot differently than I do. So he's right. judges things differently. If you could sum up your relationship with Jesus as of today um, compared to a, a couple of years ago um, before, before you started really digging in and what, what would you say the difference is? Um, I feel like I know him at least a little bit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I always felt like I didn't know how to do that before. I wanted to, but I just, I didn't know how. So what, uh, are there, is there anything else that you, that you would want to say to brothers and sisters that are, I mean, there's a lot of people out there that are mm -hmm. at various stages in this journey. Some are mm -hmm. just now starting to question. Some are yeah. ready to, ready to completely cut the ties and be done. You know, what, what yeah. would be the message to those that have walked in your shoes, especially from mm -hmm. the LDS side? Yeah. I mean, it can be really scary, right? Because the church is your identity and uh, it's your, your place of safety, your place of hope, you know, it's everything. And so it can be really super scary to venture out on any of it. Um, you know, and I really felt, I really felt the scriptures come alive. Um, you know, I felt very personally this idea, like Christ was asking me to get out of that boat. You know, we have a, a general conference talk that everybody likes to talk about, about stay in the boat and the church is the boat. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, you know, that's your place of safety and you shouldn't be getting out of the boat. And I just feel so strongly that Christ was asking me to get out of that boat and to keep my eye on him and to, that he would help me to walk in the water, you know, and that water being, you know, everything that I felt like, like everything I had before believed was going to kill me or I was going to die if I went to that place, you know, and these, you know, you, the, there's winds and waves and storms, you know, in the world and everywhere, everything is so scary, you know, and everybody's looking for a place to be, feel safe. And, um, you know, we need to have that faith to be willing to walk away from the stuff in the world that we think is safe, right? That we build up our arm of flesh and be willing to Put her eye on him and say, you know what? I trust you. And I will walk out on that water, even though it's really scary. Um, and it's going to be okay because I trust you. 
And I know that you're not going to let me sink and drown as long as I stay focused on you. And that's true. Um, and also that it's not going to be easy, you know. Um, a lot of this stuff, it took time for me to release it and to let it go. It was, it was a mourning process for me. A lot of it. You know, I spent a lot of time crying and singing, be still my soul. <laughs> so, you know, it's not, it's not easy to go through these changes. But, you know, when we're focused on Christ, if your heart is right and you're seeking him, then you really have nothing to fear. That's really important. I hope people heard that because there is a mourning process and, and a, I think people should allow yourself to feel that, allow yourself to be in that space, but don't be afraid of it. It's mm -hmm. a real thing and it is a sad thing and it is, um, it is a very hard thing and it's common to a lot of people and it does take time and, and that time is different for everybody. Mm -hmm. um, but there is, you know, Jesus wept there. He was a man of sorrow. There is, there is sorrow in this world and, um, and we're not immune from that. And we shouldn't think that we should be immune from that. So that mourning phase is so important for people to realize that it's okay. And that many are experienced that, but there's something better. Yeah. Well, and also, you know, when we come to Christ, we need to recognize that, um, you know, our natural man self needs to die, mm. you know, that it needs to be crucified on the cross and that in order for us to be resurrected spiritually, that that part of us needs to die. And that, that might not be a comfortable thing <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, to go through. Yeah. Yeah, I think the more that you are sort of intertwined in the church culture, you know, like like my family's really small. You know, we have a tiny, tiny family and we've moved around a lot. So I don't have a particular church family that I'm like have spent my whole entire life with. And, you mm -hmm. know, kids went to the you know, the Sunday school and all the youth camps. And, you know, we don't really feel that connection, even though we love the little branch that we attend now. Um, you know, we we don't necessarily have all those roots dug so deep, you know, mm -hmm. and I, and I'm, I'm sure the stages of, of grief and mourning for people, especially if their roots are, the, are extremely deep in their organization, it's, that's tough. And you, and you do, you go through those stages, you know, I think, was it like seven stages of grief, whatever, where you have like anger and you have sadness mm -hmm. and yeah, you, you know, there's all these different stages. And I think that's probably like you, I think what you, what you hit on there is just right on the money. I mean, Christ is the only one, that will get us through that. You know, if we really want to know the truth, he's mm -hmm. the truth, the way, the truth, and the life, you know? And, and I think, I think where people have a trouble is they identify things that are false mm -hmm. and then they try to travel through that without Christ mm -hmm. and they just use human logic and, you know, and, and that's such a lonely, dark place to go. Yeah. You know? I think so, they feel betrayed a lot of times. Yeah. You know, even by yeah. God, you know, because they probably had spiritual experiences and they feel betrayed, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You're the LDS much more. So the RLDS, we had a great uh, evacuation of the main church in 1984 when the prophet gave a revelation on women being ordained to do the priesthood. Mm -hmm. And so there was a great morning time there. I remember, remember my parents and my family dividing and our church splitting and, uh, you know, there was liberal and conservative congregations, but <clears throat> I think that the LDS church, to some extent, at least 
is going through some of that now as we see these different groups springing up and people sharing their stories that this idea that a prophet, you know, maybe that isn't a thing or, or maybe they aren't always right. And, um, mm-hmm. and then what it's, a uh, you feel like you're losing a safety net, but realize, well, the foundation was wrong from the get go. Now let's see what kind of foundation I can have with Jesus. Mm-hmm. So what do you think's causing some of this? I mean, it seems like, I mean, maybe I've just been disconnected, but it seems like in the last year, I've just seen this resurgence or, you know, this huge surge of, of people that are waking up in both sides, you know, what do you think's the driving force behind it? Well, I think COVID was a big, a big one. Um, Mm. Like for us, you know, the, the church has really taken like, it sometimes it almost sounds like like government repeat, like they're saying the same things. <laughs> mm-hmm, you know, right. as far as COVID, you know, they were very supportive, like they're and you know, I'm not gonna try to guess what's going on with COVID or get political here, but I feel like it's been a big problem for a lot of people. And, you know, they're feeling like this is incorrect guidance. I think that's been a huge one. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah, Yeah, there's there's, like, they're um, remodeling Temple Square in Utah right now, the Salt Lake Temple. And it's gonna, like, it's designed after the United Nations. Hmm. There's just a lot of (laughs) strange things Hmm. going on. And, you know, like for us, we, we didn't have, when COVID happened and everything shut down, um, we, nobody contacted us from church for probably at least six months. There was zero contact. <laughs> did and, you guys have online meetings or anything or that's something we did in our yeah, branches? I think a lot of other people had got back online a lot sooner, but for us, there was at least six months of zero contact. That's Ooh. crazy. Yeah. Which, you know, we actually really enjoyed it, but I think for a lot of people, that was another you know, it was, it was a, a testing time, you know, for people, you know, if they weren't really all in, they fell away at that time. So, well, yeah, if you have a relationship with Christ, you just, you, you just hit the ground running. <laughs> but if, yeah. if the well, church is your, it. yeah, if the church is your faith and that just disappears for six months, that, that could be tough. Yeah. For a lot of people, I think it's, you know, more social maybe. I mean, I'm sure they have yeah. somewhat of a testimony, but you know. Yeah. Well, Shane said that there's been a, a surge and, and some of it's probably you know, social media and, and becoming more aware of it. But I don't see a huge number of people that have done what you've done, Monica. And that is an, an honest search, reading the scriptures and willing to put everything on the altar to know truth and then being led to these what I believe are truths, the same truths Shane and I have come you know, to know the nature of God and and other things that's i don't see that happening um I, I can think of three or four people that i know of that are yeah kind of main i would just say mainstream gospel of jesus christ contained in the book of mormon believers without you know other ideas you know mm-hmm. multiple progressions and and, and yeah. anything people flock to different ideas and um mm-hmm. so that's a real important thing that I want people to hear in this message. Yeah, I think one thing that, and this might sound a little judgmental, 
<laughs> I think one thing that I find problematic with people is, you know, it's almost like this, this thrill seeking of, you know, it's, it's like a thing with the church, you know, people wanting to know the mysteries or wanting to know, you know, the next new thing and, you know, something that's going to get them excited and something that's going to be, you know, life altering, you know, and I think that's where they get off a lot of times on, on these false ideas where, you know, they'll take a part, you know, like an unclear verse or, you know, a mystery of something and they'll take it as a window to go in a completely opposite direction or in a really strange direction away from the context of the scriptures and, you know, thinking that they're discovering this great mystery. Uh, but I believe that the mysteries of the gospel are a deeper understanding of the reality of what we're reading about and that all the context is there. I mean, there are obviously greater things that are going to be revealed through the sealed portion of the book of Mormon. Right. Um, but they're not going to contradict what's already written. No, and it'll be to a people that have already responded to what they have. They have a heart of God and, and it's supposed to reveal all things, but it's not going to come to a people that haven't already been committed to Jesus. Um, you know, so that it fills in some mystery that now, now I can be righteous, right? It's already, a, it's pretty clear after there's, there'll be a people that have responded to the word they've already had. Yeah. Yeah. I think God is looking for a people who are willing to accept and live by the word that he's given us. Right. You know, at least in our church, we've always been taught, you know, that we're not going to receive more until we take advantage of what we've been given. But you know, it's buried under all of these, you know, false doctrines and people can't even tell what it is. So yeah. it seems the mystery sometimes it's it's easier to seek those out and try to gain this knowledge maybe that other people don't have and feel good about yourself, that that's more uh, romantic and enticing than offering up your whole soul on the altar and making a yeah. sacrifice and <laughs> You know, just so you can know Jesus, because I, I just find that the mystery of knowing Jesus and him in me is, is the only mystery I really care about at this point. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's much more uh, it's much more entertaining to think of, you know, like some great, deep, unknown thing from the scriptures. You know, like you said, there's there's times where I where I heard a thing the other here a while back that someone had taken the scriptures about Jesus, the prophecies of Jesus coming and had turned that into Joseph Smith coming and, and basically created a doctrine out of like a whole bunch of scriptures. They'd all pieced together, you know, out of context, not understanding the actual prophecy, what it was talking about. And then plugging in the name of Joseph Smith, where Jesus's name should have been. And then saying that he's going to come back from the dead, you know, yes. and, and you know, it's just like, how do we get there? You know, how do, how do yeah. we not see that as idolatry? You know, yeah. that's, and it's, yeah. but it happens because we, like you said, we're not just content with mm -hmm. walking with Jesus, you know, yeah. and seeking him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You have to be humble enough to accept the truth, whatever it is, and, you know, not go seeking after your own desires. Mm. Yeah. Well, Monica, we're approaching an hour and a half, and I thought that maybe this would happen, and that's wonderful. 
but um, I want to allow you to anytime or anything else that's on your heart that you want to share. And certainly if, if you're willing and would, and would want to come back as a guest again, we'd, we'd love to have you maybe even more of a topical study on what the Lord's revealed to you. Cause I find that fascinating from your background and, and like, if we arrive at the same things, we've been programmed differently. We have different biases, you know, so to hear other people's uh, truth that's been revealed is fascinating. But uh, yeah, anything else on your heart that you want to uh, wrap up with or share? Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's been pretty good for now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, how crazy is this? You know, we're, we're in three different states across the country right now. Mm-hmm. And we're having a conversation about Jesus. And I feel like our, our hearts are one as much as they're one with him. And I don't, uh, I just, I don't know, bound together by something greater, the Holy spirit, I guess. Yeah. But I've really appreciated your, your insights and your spirit. And I appreciate seeing the love Jesus has for you because it's the same love he has for all of us. And this, this miracle I think he's doing in your life mm-hmm. is, um, and is, is an experience for all of us as his children to, to revel in as you share your testimony, to know that he loves us all like this. This is wonderful. Thank you. I'm glad. I'm glad that you are knowing him right now as he is compared to where you were 11 years ago. Yeah, it is. It's, um, you know, gives me hope. And um, I don't know, peace. <laughs> are you still in the word all the time? Well, I have forced myself to take a little break because (laughs) often you hear that. (laughs) (laughs) It's honestly, it's really the only thing I want to do, but I ignored many things with my Mm. desire to study as fast as possible. (laughs) Right. So I, it's my motivation to get my house and things in order and I can start studying again. Gotcha. <laughs> oh, I'm planning on doing the well, new testament next. Okay. Would you be willing to come back sometime? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Yep. Thanks. Look forward to, to getting to know you better. Shane, anything else? Uh no, not not really. I I I do what's, think what's it's this amazing. meant to you, Shane? Yeah, what's this meant to you? Yeah. This oh, it's been really cool. It's been really cool. I mean, I, I spent most of my life and, and don't take this wrong, Monica, but I spent my whole life basically thinking that the LDS were just some weird cult. And I basically avoided the, any LDS people, you know, and, and there was my own prejudice just from my own upbringing, you know, of course, polygamy and Brigham Young and all these things that we didn't believe, you know, we just, and, and I found myself like when I talked to people, you know, I'd be like, they'd say, what church do you go to? I say, Oh, well, I'm RLDS, not Mormon, not LD, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, you know, trying to like distance myself from it. And, yeah. You know, and it's funny as I seek Christ, instead of defending an organization and trying to identify mm-hmm. as a as a member of this organization, but rather just seek Christ, mm-hmm. you know, then here you are seeking Christ, you know, and our paths cross. And here we, you know, we've and this is the first time we've actually spoken with our voices. You know, yeah. it's all just been text messaging through the through Messenger. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, it's been such a, a exciting journey to yeah. You know, and not just with you, but there's so many others too that are mm-hmm. that are truly seeking Christ, and that's yeah. it's 
you know, I hope that's encouraging. And it's a, you know, I mean, here you got, you know, I mean, mother of six, homeschool mom, you know, husband's gone all the time with, with, with his education. And, and here you are digging in the word and trying to find Jesus. And it's, it's very inspirational. And, and uh, I'm very, very excited that the Lord is moving. So. Yeah, it is, it is interesting because, you know, like I said from the beginning, you know, my other time, I just, I couldn't even, I couldn't make myself steady. Mm-hmm. And now it's the only thing I want to do. <laughs> yeah. so it causes problems sometimes when I don't make dinner. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, thank you, Monica, for coming on and sharing your story and uh, being vulnerable to some extent and, and allowing other people to hear that story. Um, it's been a pleasure. Bless you. God bless you in your search and keep in touch. Sounds good. Thanks. Appreciate it.